Welcome to episode 177 of a Wrestling Gal podcast, providing you with the female perspective on all things wrestling. Join me, your host and wrestling enthusiast, Ella J. As today, I am joined by best-selling author, interviewer, model, and so much more. She also plays Mae Valentine on NWA Power. Maida Diaz Gomez. Now let's chat. Hello, everybody. Today I am joined by a best selling author, journalist, model, valet, interviewer, and so many more amazing things. Maira Diaz Gomez, aka May Valentine on NWA. So how are you doing today and how did I do? You did amazing. Good job on pronouncing my name. How are you doing today? I'm super excited to be chatting with you today. I'm doing great today. How about you? I am doing pretty good as well. Obviously, the world of wrestling is it's it's not had its greatest day, but I'm super excited to be chatting with you today on everything and anything that you are doing. So before we formally dive into everything, I just honestly want to know what is your secret to balancing or organizing everything that you do in life? Because I honestly don't know how you do it. Uh, That's an interesting question. I don't feel like I have to do that as much as it looks like. Um, I do one thing at a time. I think that's pretty much how I can summarize it. It looks like I'm doing so many things at the same time, but really I think I do a good job at going from one thing to the next, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so kind of not closing a door, but moving on to like another chapter, I guess, maybe? Or just not mm-hmm. stopping, always yeah. doing something, okay. and if it's something different, then starting out something different. Yeah, well, let me tell you, I don't the you have done a variety of things, but in terms of the wrestling world, you are obviously known as May Valentine on NWA yes. Power as mm-hmm. a valet and interviewer and host, but you are also still training and hoping to make your official match debut, correct? That's true, yes. Yeah, so how much did this last year plus with the pandemic halt your progress, if at all, in training? Or did you kind of just continue forward in a different environment with training? Honestly, everything paused for me in that Mm -hmm. sense. Um, I'm in Los Angeles, so pretty much everything was closed for over a year. Um, Santino Bros, which was one of the places I was training Mm -hmm. at, had to temporarily close. Um, so yeah, it really stopped me, uh, from the progress that I was making, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like everybody got put on pause. Obviously some people were still able to train at home and all of that, but as like you said, you were hoping to make your match debut. So it it was probably a little disheartening, I would assume, or did you think that it just really motivated you to even be bigger and better coming back then? I think a little bit of both, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I think uh, everybody went through a lot of different emotions during the pandemic, Um, and there were moments in which I felt very unmotivated and moments in which I felt very motivated, Mm -hmm. Um, 
I definitely was sad about uh, stopping training and having to stop where I was at. Um, but at the same time, uh, once NWA came back, my role sort of changed. Um, and I'm happy with the role that I have now. Yeah, you are doing incredible things in NWA, but as oh, you're looking, you. You, like, honestly, well, everybody is really doing incredible things in NWA right now, but you've really been yeah. constant throughout the whole pandemic and everything. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, everybody in NWA is is amazing. You're right. And it's important, too, I think, to note with NWA's all-women's pay-per-view and power right around the corner, do you think that there's any potential to maybe see your official in-ring debut take place that weekend? I don't want to promise anything. That would be amazing. That's all I can say. Okay. In realistic terms, though, how close do you think you are to debuting? Or do you feel like you are ready? Or do you still think you want to get more reps in? I don't feel like I'm ready yet. Um, I didn't do anything uh, in a ring for over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping to be able to get back to training like in the next few months. Uh, pretty much I've been training in Vegas, but I live in Los Angeles. Uh, so it's really like about how much I can make trips and stay in Vegas. Uh, so I'm hoping to find a better setup. Yeah, it's probably what four-hour drive from where you're at yeah yeah and that's pretty much what I did for like uh I would say six months uh Mm -hmm. when I started training I started at FSW in Vegas Mm -hmm. yeah and pretty much I was there during the week and then I would come back to LA during the weekend and I couldn't handle that for very long as you can imagine it's kind of crazy and I was living in in the hotels and in the casinos Mm -hmm. And it was so much fun. And at some point, I just said, it has to stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I don't think I, I'd probably be going insane if I didn't have an actual home to come home to. Because yeah. you're just constantly moving around. <laughs> I, I just I, never I, knew where I was going mm-hmm. to have to be. So I couldn't really do any um, permanent setups. I had things that I had to do in L.A. So I had to be able to, like, say, oh, tomorrow I'm going to L.A. Tomorrow I'm going to Las Vegas. So after a while, it kind of um, got to be a bit much. Yeah, I, I bet, girl. But you are you seem to keep striving and thriving, as they say. And you are working on everything wrestling going on. But on the topic of NWA Empower, which I am so much looking forward to, what was your initial reaction to the announcement or whenever you found out that NWA will be producing a spectacular all-women's pay-per-view? I mean, isn't it amazing? I'm so excited about it, honestly. Um, I knew about it, but when I saw the announcement on mm-hmm. the actual show, I mm-hmm. think I was as thrilled as everyone. And I was so happy to know that Mickey James is going to be working with us. You know, it's it's so special and it is empowering. And she's so amazing. I, I had the opportunity to spend time with her recently and she's so cool, and I love her ideas and her visions, and I think it's going to be an amazing show. 
I think that whole weekend I am just so looking forward to. But you talk about like this all women's pay-per-view coming up, not only in NWA, but we've also seen like this rise in all women's shows and brands, I think, over the last few years, really, and really over the last year. So as somebody who took interest in women's wrestling like yourself before you even started formally training, what are your thoughts on this rise in all women's shows and brands in general? obviously it's amazing and uh i started getting interested in actual wrestling watching women wrestling Mm -hmm. um like i grew up in brazil so i didn't really have the culture of wrestling growing up like most wrestlers yeah did um because it just wasn't on television at all uh in brazil so i really started watching it much later when i already lived in the united states i moved here when i was 21 i think i started watching wwe in like my late 20s mm-hmm. uh, but it was when i would watch the women that i would get really excited about it and i always felt inspired by it and i felt empowered by it and i would watch them and think they're these superheroes and now, that's who- how my insane mm-hmm. idea came about <laughs> To want to start training. Yeah. I said, I want to be just like them. And literally, that's what happened to me. I, I was watching TV and I said, I want to be just like them. It, and it was just a feeling. Mm-hmm. And it, it came from watching women doing it and doing it amazingly well. It, it felt so inspiring to me. So mm-hmm. I'm really happy with what's going on. And I'm even happier that I get to be a part of it. It's kind of crazy. So who were some of the women then, as you said, in your late 20s when you were starting to watch WWE more that really empowered or captivated you to make that like leap of faith, as they say, and actually pursue this? I think I was watching like Charlotte and Becky mm-hmm. and all the girls, pretty much Sasha. Whenever I saw the women wrestling, I would just feel really inspired. Mm-hmm. I think inspired really is the word. It would make me believe that I could do amazing things. You know, it's crazy, too, that, like, this little thing called professional wrestling really is not only, like, it's athletic, and then you have the entertaining aspect, but that you also have that, like, personal aspect is there's these people on these national television who have the capability to influence so many people, especially to oh, yeah. like we just came off WrestleMania where Bianca Belair and and Sasha mm-hmm. Banks really and what an amazing match that was really yeah and inspired a whole new demographic of people mm-hmm. and and much like your story too you were really captivated by a lot of the people on your screen like from from yeah. my, me mine was Mickey James when I was younger and now. Here she is with her whole That's vision amazing. and coming into fruition. It's this whole full, full circle thing. But absolutely. yeah, it, it really is empowering, as they say. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Now, what are your hopes for the NWA going forward as we inch closer to this, I think, historical weekend with Empower and then the 73rd anniversary show coming up? I mean, you said it yourself. I think it's going to be <laughs> historical, to say the least. Um, I think the NWA is doing an amazing job at giving uh, young wrestlers chances. Um, I think the women's roster is, you know, growing and getting better. Um, You know, we've seen some new girls uh, recently. We've seen Sky Blue uh, and Kenzie and uh, Genocide and Kylie Ray now has joined. And I think we're still going to have a lot of 
really amazing surprises in that sense. Uh, but the next shows should be amazing. Uh, not just the all-women's pay-per-view, but the NWA anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to the historic Chase Ballroom. So I'm really, really, really excited about it. Like, I can't believe that I get to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, right. And yeah, and like it seems you, like I'm living a dream. <laughs> you are and and you're doing the damn thing and hopefully you can reach that point where you can be involved in the in-ring action too. Obviously training and everything, but I, I you'll you'll eventually get there. You're on route and you're still being involved. So at least you always have that bragging, right? Right? Yeah, and it's and it's amazing to have the opportunity to work Mm-hmm. Uh, in wrestling before I even step into the ring yeah. because I'm I get I'm getting to learn every aspect of everything you know and I think that a year ago you know I wasn't as confident I wasn't as knowledgeable and you you know what they say you have to put a million hours into something to mm-hmm. be really good at it and I I just feel like the whole experience working at NWA and now being able to host being able to be on commentary uh, doing interviews like I'm I'm doing so many things that I'm doing for the first time you know and in a way it's like people are watching me learning so you know there's gonna be some criticism but at the same time you know I'm I'm learning a little bit of everything so it's really really an amazing experience as they say you're kind of a jack of all trades and once <laughs> you officially step into that ring I think you might honestly be the biggest threat to the NWA as you are well-versed in literally everything there is to do pretty much. Oh, wow. That's high praise. I mean, honestly, it's just the truth. Once you step into that ring, I think this division is going to have to be put on notice because you, even if you're not involved in the ring, you always have that experience to step in or or fill in. Maybe if anything's ever needed, you got a lot of stuff in your back pocket. Yeah. When, when I get my shit together, they better watch out. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, right right now, though, if you could book your own debut match, who is kind of at the top of your list of opponents that you'd like to share that moment with, maybe? I mean, honestly, at this point, anybody that I got the opportunity to work with would be amazing. You know, I would love to, to have my first match with um, somebody experienced, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but any opportunity that I get is going to be awesome. Now, like you said, there is this incredible women's division going on in NWA right now. Like you said, Kylie Ray just signed with NWA. You have Melina Perez, Karen mm-hmm. Terrell, Thunder Rosa, the new champion Camille. You have Serena yep. Deeb and newer stars like Sky Blue, Genocide, Kenzie, Lady Frost has been in the mix. Yep. So, I, like, w- what are your, just your thoughts basically on this whole women's division right now? And again, there's I so mean, much potential for this pay-per-view, but yeah. What are your thoughts? That on this sounded like, like the coolest girl right? gang ever. Right? As you were, as you were saying their names, I was like, wow, our roster is so freaking cool. Yeah. All of those girls are so amazing. Honestly, it's, it's such a good vibe in the locker room and all the girls watch each other and support each other. And, I'm I, I'm always um, interested in seeing who else is going to come in. I'm sure there will be seeing a lot of new faces and established faces at the pay-per-view. So I'm super excited to see. 
So is everybody else going forward along with myself as I will be attending the whole extravaganza weekend, but switching, it's going to be incredible. Honestly, I'm very much looking forward to it, but switching gears here, you are also very well versed in the entertainment industry as well. So is there any wrestling characters or moments themselves that have really entertained you the most? You think, let me think about this. Uh, I mean, wrestling is entertaining no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, But you mean like a moment that stuck with me or? Yeah, whether it's a character, a tag team, or just a certain moment in wrestling, maybe you were part of or watched back that you think really gave you a lot of joy or a sense of entertainment. I'm going to say the first thing that came to mind. Okay. And that was um, Liv interrupting uh, Lana's wedding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I really loved it. <laughs> that was really entertaining to me. That was so crazy, too, it because I don't so think anybody insane. expected it. It was out of the blue. Yeah. It was completely out there. Yeah. I found that- it very entertaining. That was and, and I and I thought of Lana because I was just thinking I would love to see Lana at, at the end of the way. Oh my God, Lana, CJ Perry, whatever she chooses to go by going exactly. forward, I think would again, much like your yourself, she has that experience like outside of the ring too. Is obviously she was a manager and a valet as well, and is very good on the mic. So I mean, maybe maybe Lana versus May Valentine, maybe we'll see. Who knows? That's a dream come true. <laughs> that would be so fun. But talking about interviewing and hosting within NWA, like throughout just your whole career interviewing in and outside of wrestling, was there any particular moment you felt extremely starstruck by one of your guests? Yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> when I used to do um, a lot of movie interviews, I spent a lot of time doing uh, movie junkets. Uh, we'd go watch the movie, and the next day you'd go interview the cast. Um, a lot of times I'd find myself starstruck, and I think it comes with the experience. You know, you just watch their movie, and then you get to sit down and talk to them. Somebody that made me starstruck. I've been very starstruck when I met uh, Brad Pitt. Oh. I think anybody in this world yeah. would be very, mm-hmm. very starstruck. Um, I was very starstruck when I got to work the Oscars red carpet. Mm -hmm. I think I've never seen uh, so many incredible celebrities, you know, that you've grown up watching in one place. It was just like your heart would jump off your chest every five minutes, anyone I saw. Um, (laughs) but I had a lot of amazing experiences. Uh, I worked as a reporter since I moved to Hollywood. I mean, in Hollywood since I was 21, Mm -hmm. but I worked as a reporter since I was 18. I started in Brazil. Um, and I started in Hollywood. So I had like 12 years of really crazy experiences. Yeah. Uh, Imagine like even just going through like your YouTube channel too. you've met like Alice Cooper and like uh, Brad Pitt, though. That's that's insane (laughs) to me. Like not many people get to say that, I think, unless obviously they're involved in the industry. So that oh, my gosh, I I wouldn't know how to contain myself. Or Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Yeah. There have been a few, a few. 
that I wanted to like faint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I, I've had that a few times. Obviously, not to the caliber as yourself with with those people having those opportunities. But oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> and um, I feel like it takes like a few a few seconds, like maybe mm-hmm. thirty seconds, for you to like gain, gain your mm-hmm. composure and be able to speak properly like your heart's jumping out of your chest sometimes but I think that's part of why it's it's such a cool job obviously you get yeah. to go through that adrenaline of like meeting your idols and meeting people that you watched in the movies or your favorite rock stars mm-hmm. and all these different crazy scenarios in which I've gotten to interview them and um it's it's very special now, do you think that you have a particular interviewing style or philosophy that you generally stick to or rely on when conducting interviews of any sort? Um, interesting question. Um, I don't know. Perhaps someone else could analyze what mm-hmm. my style is. I'm not sure about that. I think I just try to do my best um, to treat everyone as human beings with feelings and life stories and even if I'm starstruck by somebody I try to uh, treat them like a normal person um, I think my style tends to be a little personal like I like to ask about uh, what people are feeling mm-hmm. and uh, their general thoughts about things um, I don't know that's the best that I can think of yeah, it, it seems like it, through your work, I've definitely seen you have that, like, personal approach. Obviously, you can always go through, like, the Wikipedia on stats and stuff like that. But getting to know, I guess, more, like, emotionally or, like, personally exactly. based. Yeah, yeah. Especially, mm-hmm. too, in this, like, media world that is, like, super, super competitive all the time, whether it's interviewing, hosting, reporting, everything you've done. I, I'm curious, too, though, how do you think you've managed to combat or maybe cope maybe not combat it but how have you managed to cope with any self-doubt or maybe that little instinct to compare yourself to others or others work I think that's normal you know like especially uh in the times that we're living at I think every day we're going through Instagram and it's just a thing you compare yourself to other people you know I don't know if everybody does it but I think it's it's a general feeling that you know social media or Instagram can cause you know you're you're always looking at other people's stuff and you feel like it's better than yours Mm -hmm. you know sometimes it depends on my mood for example if I wake (laughs) up and I'm in a bad mood and something's not going (laughs) right and I go through my Instagram and I see all these people happy and in happy relationships (laughs) or at least that's how they're portraying it yeah uh and you start to feel you know low about yourself and sometimes you don't even notice that that's what what it comes from like it's all these like triggers you know all the time to compare yourself and at least I feel like that and I think a lot of people that I know feel like that yeah I know uh, I myself as again like whether it's Instagram or Twitter and again it's all up to perception not everything we see on there is reality but yes. assuming that it is seeing people every like, everybody thriving or somebody lands like a dream interview you've been wanting yada yada right. it's, it's sometimes right. like not disheartening but like I feel like we all like instinctually like compare ourselves yeah. and it's hard sometimes but like and you, you said hold you, and you hold yourself to a certain like 
expectation like yeah. I expect a lot of myself mm-hmm. so like when I compare myself usually I compare myself to people that are very very successful mm-hmm. and of course it makes me feel like I'm not <laughs> as successful because I'm not like Oprah or something you know but like I want to be the best at everything that I do so obviously I'm going to be comparing myself to people that are doing better than me you know but yeah. I think you can do that you can use that um as motivation rather than you know competition or jealousy or you know there's space for everyone Mm -hmm. exactly and like you said you do a lot I know you grew up in a very artistic environment I would say obviously as your mother was an actress and your father was a playwright but you also used to do a bit of singing or at least you did at your eighth grade talent show oh my god my youtube I can't believe that shit's online (laughs) when did you realize your singing abilities oh my god Honestly, when I was a kid, I thought that I was going to grow up to be a big rock star. (laughs) Like, that was always my idea. When I was, like, 10 years old, I was, like, writing in my diaries. The reason I remember everything is because they're actually all written in my diaries. And so I say this because I can say it perfectly what my thoughts were at the time. So I was 10 years old, and I thought I was going to be a rock star. And I'm, like, trying to get my dad to buy me a guitar. And in my diary, I'm I'm literally saying, like, Um, I've already written 10 songs. All I need now is a guitar and then I'll learn how to play and then I'll record my songs and be famous. (laughs) Like I had this plan when I was a little kid. Um, and I loved music. I always loved music. So I eventually did get the guitar and, uh, I did guitar classes. I did piano classes and I always thought that I would follow a music career. Um, and when I was younger, I actually had several opportunities, um, to have a real career. Um, But when I was younger, I had such low self-esteem and I wasn't confident at all. And I had so much stage fright um, that I gave up on several opportunities that I had because I was so, so scared of like Mm -hmm. being judged. And I had this thing happen to me in high school, which is kind of a a funny story. I don't know if you want to hear it. Uh, but I was I was in the school talent show and it was my first time playing guitar in front of an audience and the auditorium of my, of my school was very big actually so I would say there were at least like 300 400 people there watching and it was like my first show like playing guitar and singing and um, there was the boy that I had a crush on and he asked to borrow my guitar and I let him use my guitar and then it was my time to go on stage and everything was out of tune. And so my concert went to to hell. And it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life in in school, you know? Like, that's like a movie scene. It's so awful. I feel so bad for myself when I remember it. Um, And I tried to do my best. I stopped playing guitar and I continued singing and the -hmm. the band, which were my friends, went on. But I think I got traumatized. And so when I was, like, super young, like, I would always be really, really scared that like something bad was gonna happen when I stepped on stage just because Mm -hmm. I was so (laughs) embarrassed by this in the talent show (laughs) you know what though even if you didn't turn out to be a rock star you've gotten to hang out with plenty of them at least that's what I was gonna say so at (laughs) at some point I was like all right I love music I still want to be involved in the music industry Mm -hmm. um and 
uh, that became my job. My job became to talk to rock stars and always be around rock stars. And I was like, okay, I'm cool with this. <laughs> but I would still like to do something uh, music-wise. Now I, I don't have that stage pride anymore. Now mm-hmm. I get to be in front of people and be confident, which is awesome. So growing up is pretty cool. I I mean, you have been in multiple music videos for Smashing Pumpkins, at least a year anyway. So how how the heck did those opportunities come about and just your overall experience with that? that, That's some involvement right there. Yeah, well, um, I met Billy Corgan uh, many years ago, actually, like in the music industry, and I knew him a little bit. And... At some point, I was cast in the first Smashing Pumpkins music video, um, but it was like a casting thing. Um, like several fans were chosen mm-hmm. for this music video, so oh, I, okay. I saw Billy there at that point. So like I sort of reconnected with him, and I think he was following me. And at some point, um, he realized that I was in wrestling school. That's when I was in in Las Vegas. And that's actually how the whole uh, conversation about me joining NWA started. Um, So the second music video, um, I've already been working for Billy for about a year and a half in the NWA. And and it was shot during the pandemic. So, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you do have some involvement. But if maybe you could perform any duet with any band or artist from the past or present, past or present who would you love to share the stage with um amy winehouse oh i would love that oh my god i loved her so much now do do you think that your singing voice kind of would harmonize with hers very well or how would you describe your singing voice or maybe genre like low tone sort of voice like uh kind of raspy and kind of like Mm -hmm. blues, blues style yeah. So yeah, I I relate to um, Amy's way of singing. But yeah, no, I think that would be super cool if somebody could like make a mashup or if you could do like a cover <laughs> of one of her songs. I mean, yeah, I've done those. They're on my oh. phone. They'll never mm-hmm. be posted. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I do, you can... I do I do covers, by myself at home mm-hmm. all the time. That's okay. like something I do. <laughs> I think that'd be so cool, though, if you shared one, like, once in a while or something. I I think that, again, it's totally up to you, but I think that if you're looking to branch out and kind of showcase some singing, I mean, Alicia Toot's done it, too, so, like, you can do it, too, I would think. But, again, all up to you. Totally understand, though. Like, stage fright and whatever, I'm still like, oh, sometimes. I don't have it anymore. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Well, I have a little bit of it, but it's not paralyzing it was paralyzing when I was a teenager and a lot of things are paralyzing when you are a teenager (laughs) everything is so dramatic when you're a teenager scary (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny but changing gears here you obviously are also looking to turn one of your best-selling books into a movie someday so is there one that you prefer or think you will actively chase in pursuit of this dream first into turning it into a movie yeah so my first book um which i wrote when i was 16 years old and it was a bestseller in brazil that's actually been sold um to a producer in brazil so my first book uh, is in the works uh, to become a movie, but that that would be a Brazilian production. Mm-hmm. So 
my last book which was a thriller it's Mm -hmm. called finally famous and i'm uh, translating it to english myself and that is what i want uh to work on um to make it into an american movie now who would you hollywood story yeah I believe so. Who would you cast then as the leads in the, in the, in your third book then if it were to become a movie very soon? Oh my god, I don't know. I don't know. I cannot <laughs> answer that question. <laughs> I cannot answer that question. Okay, fair enough, but you're still in the process, but that's so exciting too and I aren't you working on a sequel for your first book too right now? Yeah. So yeah, I've been working on it for a while. Um my first book is set um, the character is basically 16 years old and I wanted to do a follow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, so the character is now in her thirties. Obviously it's, uh, it reflects my life, uh, as the first book was, uh, kind of a memoir. It was half fiction, half memoir, but it, it talked about like problems that I had when I was a teenager. Um, it talks like about my father's death and depression and, uh, relationships that I had when I was a teenager and drug problems and all these different subjects and my idea is to continue that story you know how how did those things uh progress or end you know Mm -hmm. uh what happened to all those issues so I wanted to write the story in her 30s like does she still have depression uh what happened with Mm -hmm. the drug addiction and this Mm -hmm. and this and that um and now she lives in Hollywood, so obviously it's a very exciting story with exciting characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been working on that for a couple of years already. But I, I'm doing it slowly in my own pace because I have no pressure to do it. And I'm I'm busy doing other things. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, lastly, speaking of films and all of that, I know your fate, I believe it's your favorite movie of all time is Requiem for a Dream, oh, which yes. I, ironically, I did an, did an analysis for in college in my psychology you class. Did? Yeah, it, it was it was wild. But tell us why it's your personal favorite and why it resonates with you the most. Well, first of all, it's an amazing book. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever read the book. It's based yes. on a book by Hubbard Selby Jr., and it's just it, it's so beautifully done um i i personally love uh drug stories i love like uh mental health and drug struggle mm-hmm. stories um some of my favorite movies are are about people battling uh drug addiction and wrecking for a dream is just such an amazing script such an amazing movie and it's so dark uh, and it's such a deep lesson, you know. Um, I just think it's beautiful. It it definitely is too, and, and like you said, it deals with a lot of mental and drug uh, addictions and all of that. And that was why, ironically, though. So it was in my gosh, uh, I abnormal psychology class. It was. And we were we ha- so we had to pick like a certain disorder and then pick a movie where it's demonstrated in it. So right. my group was given like drug addiction and stuff. And so we did a deep analysis on all of the drug addictions and disorders that were demonstrated in that movie, like wow. a deep, deep analysis on exactly. it. And I probably still have like 
the slideshow and all the notes for it because this is only like uh, like four years ago That's but amazing. like i literally would pause it all the time and then go to my it's called a dsm a diagnostic and statistics manual manual which is basically just a list and like all of the um side effects and symptoms of all of that so it was like yeah. did a very thorough like research for it so that was my introduction to the movie was because one of my (laughs) classmates in my group suggested it so i've seen it from like the like psychological side of it but it's a great film as well too oh my god yeah it's just an amazing film i mean it's heartbreaking i love heartbreaking movies like i think it i think also it's because i love tragedies like Mm -hmm. i really love to have my heart broken in movies like i love to cry and to suffer for the characters I think that's a perfect movie. It's just so heartbreaking and so sad. Yeah. How how deep and far people go because of their drug addiction. Yeah, it's those emotional investments, basically, with movies. I feel like I'm the same way, too, with, like, true crime and then, like, the tragedies and any really emotional or, like, drama stuff. I'm like, I love drama. We love to cry, right? Exactly. (laughs) I love to cry. I'm a crier for sure. Oh, God, me too. <laughs> but I, be- I always have to watch. I have I get huge bags under my eyes all the time because I watch movies and I cry and then yep. I wake up and I regret watching the movie. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, sometimes sometimes you just need a good cry, whether it's like tears of joy or just sometimes you just need a good emotional crying cry. Crying is great. I love crying. It's a great release. So I, I understand. Now, before I let you go, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you on all your social medias? Yes, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's M-A-Y-R-A-D-I-A-S. G-O-M-E-S, so Myra Diaz Gomez on both Twitter and Instagram. And also I have my website in which I sell my photos from Instagram, mm-hmm. personalized and autographed, and it's MyraDiazGomez.BigCartel.com. Which a lot of those shots, again, you do modeling too, are literally amazing. So oh, dope. Like, you so you're much. gorgeous. So. Thank you, girl. Oh, Thank you so support. much. It was it was a huge pleasure talking to you, and I wish you the best in everything. And it's awesome that you're doing this. Thank you again. I appreciate the kind words from you, and thank you for joining me today. It's so cool to get somebody's perspective who has dabbled into like literally everything imaginable, like even ghost hunting, which we didn't even talk <laughs> about, but like writing, interviewing, wrestling very, very soon in the ring, music videos, journalism, modeling, like every, like you do everything. I don't know how you do it. So it's been a lot of fun to get your, your you, perspective girl. and your experience. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate you even more. Thank you so much.